Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. Today is a day like any other in which a podcast is recorded. Why do I say that? I don't know. Something I should say is that there will be spoilers. Most likely. Chance of spoilers is high. I say that at the top of every show just in case. J-I-C. Because I might spoil things and I don't try not to unless it's easy to not do so. So there you go. Ass is covered. Bam. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Oh no, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. As that is something that people who care about podcasts pay attention to, and I hope you do too. Poo. I think, without further ado, do. Oh boy, this is heading down the tubes to poop town right off the bat. Let me push this button and get us started. And maybe we'll, we'll move out of Poopville. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Burt's Bee Cups. Burt's Bee Cups. <clears throat> okay, so uh, how many movies do I have in this movie monologue? It looks like I got one, two, three, four. Count, well, no need to count them. I just counted them for you. So feel free to trust me that there is four. The first movie is called This Is Where I Leave You. It is... Yeah, I think it's going to fall under the dark comedy milieu. Which, if you've listened to many of these 300 episodes, Movie Mondays, obviously, in particular, you'll know I am a fan of the dark comedy. Uh, This one, less dark in the sense of people and dying. Well, the movie starts off with the death. Why don't I read, as I have decided to do on these movie Movie Mondays, on these movie monologues, segments uh read the imdb when their father passes away foreign foreign <laughs> i combined the word for with grown in an effort i guess to save time now i'm explaining it which has taken away all the time that might have saved oh boy <laughs> when their father passes away four grown siblings are forced to return to their childhood home and live under the same roof together for a week along with their oversharing mother and an assortment of spouses exes and might have beans oh very interesting this is a uh, jason bateman joint i s- suppose you could say if you're a weirdo 
uh, Tina Fey, Jane Fonda, Adam Devine are just some of the many, many names in this. Tina Fey, I think, impossible to be bad in anything at this point. Uh, same with Jason Bateman. I, I'd sort of put him on that uh, on that uh, mantle as well. Jane Fonda. <laughs> I think there was some talk, and this is maybe what sold this movie a little bit. I don't know if they were her real boobs or fake boobs, but considering Jane Fonda's age, she's uh, not looking too bad in the old uh, boob department. She's the mother of the uh, of the group, I guess you would say. Uh, her husband passed away, and in an effort to sort of pull her family together, she makes them all sit shiva, which, as I understand it, is a Jewish rite where when someone dies... Uh, friends or just family, I'm not sure, uh, will sit around with one another and, I guess, talk about the person and how they affected their lives and things like that, try to work through their grief, I guess would be a sort of scientific way to look at it. Sure, why not? Um, laughs, cries, all the things you want in a dark comedy. Uh, rating, I'm going to go... I, don't, I feel like I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to do it right now. And that is, if you watch this on a Sunday, uh, I'd go as high as a 5 out of 5. Any other day, 3 and 4. But it's a perfect sort of dark comedy uh, Sunday-style movie. Yay, that. Movie the second. Let me just close this. Is Women Aren't Funny. Oh, that's not a very nice thing to say. Tina Fey, hey, look at that. Super, super funny woman. Prove you wrong right there. This is a documentary. Uh, let me read this. I am Buddha. Comedian Bonnie McFarlane dons her investigative journalist's hat to find out once and for all if women are funny and report her unbiased findings <laughs> in what some are calling the most important documentary of our generation. I don't know if people are calling that this, this, that. Uh, it's good. I, I, I had heard of this. Um, let's see. How do you tiptoe around this subject? Uh, I think Adam Carolla, who makes an appearance on this not very uh, nice-looking-ness, if that makes any sense. They didn't make him look very good on this. Uh, he got in trouble for saying women aren't funny. Now, he has said a million... If you actually listen to him talk, he has said a million times over and over again that he's not he's he never said he was he's never once said that women aren't funny he said that there are more funny men than there are funny women and if you're just going to go by a pure numbers standpoint uh that's obviously true there's more male comedians than there are female comedians you can't argue with math uh todd glass who i love uh also makes a appearance in this money money movie money movie and uh, he brought up a very, very good point, and that is, um, yes, there are many, many more f uh, male comedians than there are female comedians. However, man, I gotta learn how to speed these up a little bit. However, he goes on to say that there are many more bad male comedians than there are bad female comedians. Again, that's just sort of playing with numbers. If you're going to have more comedians, period, of the male, uh, I was going to say race, but that's not the word, uh, male gender, that means you're going to have many good and many bad. So it's all a sort of numbers game. 
a lot of women appear in this of the funny variety such as it's well, kind of funny uh, uh, just looking at the IMDB page for this and is it in alphabetical order does that maybe explain it no the most of the top build people in this movie are men <laughs> uh, that's kind of telling I guess anyways of the women there's Chelsea Peretti who I would highly highly recommend you check out her uh, stand-up Joan Rivers the late now sadness uh, Amy Schumer very funny Sarah Silverman probably still my funny my favorite female comedian although Chelsea Peretti she's pretty pretty goddamn good too Okay, let's move on to, i got to speed through these last two, Burt's Buzz. This is a look at the creator uh, behind Burt's Bees, which is a line of, I guess, cosmetic products, lip balms, and what have you. Uh, anyways, documentary, very good. Oh, I didn't rate the last one. For that, i go like three and a half or four. It didn't really pull me in too well. Brit's Buzz, same thing. Uh, interesting. Glad I watched it. Probably wouldn't watch it again. Three-ish. Let's move on to the last movie called Small Apartments. Uh, this was a weird one. And again, if you've listened to many of the 300 episodes, particularly movie-related ones, uh, you'll know I like a weird movie. Let me read the IMDb, which is like one sentence, so it's not going to do it justice. A man is surrounded by strange events and odd neighbors in this adaptations of a Chris Millis novel. Oh, you know what? I didn't know it was a novel. Uh, a novel. I didn't know it was a novel. Uh, this stars uh, Matt Lucas, who, oh, what is he from? Life of Britain. Uh, James Caan. Johnny Knoxville. James Marsden. Dolph Lundgren. Billy Crystal, a lot of uh, a lot of big and hilarious names, uh, but this movie isn't all jokes all the time. It's sort of a weird. Uh, oh, you, you know, <laughs> how I mentioned um, this morning, this morning, oh boy, how I mentioned that the first movie I talked about, uh, this is where I leave you was a dark comedy without a lot of death. This is a dark comedy with death. So uh, it's not sort of action-packed, I wouldn't say, but uh, it's basically a guy who, uh, not to give too much away, which I seem to be doing pretty good this episode, uh, almost inadvertently kills his landlord and then the sort of ridiculous way in which he decides he's going to hide this fact from everyone and try to, I guess, get away with it. Uh, super, super crazy moments of craziness, followed by sort of a almost bland everyday life. So those two mixed into one movie makes it uh, makes it very interesting, and I liked it. I'd probably go as high as a five. Yeah, you know what? Why the hell not? Five out of five. I gotta speed this up a bit. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Stevens Fries. Stevens Fries. Thank you to that. Today's Television Talk, we're going to talk about a uh, talk show. 
Yeah, we could kind of call it a talk show, but it's not really. More of a game show? Yeah, closer to a game show mixed with a talk show, mixed with the British Broadcasting Corporation. Corporation? BBC? Yeah, I think it's Corporation. Channel? No, Corporation. Um, it's basically... <laughs> when I, I've talked of uh, the show At Midnight on this, which is where you get a bunch of funny people together and have a game show the games will make it easier for the funny people to be funny rather than them just sort of sitting around and talking which is exactly what this is and this came first so maybe uh maybe at midnight has some thanking to do for qi which stands for quite interesting hmm uh the stars host stephen fry along with uh what's the guy's name I got the IMDP page open, and his name is Alan Davies. Alan Davies. Uh, let me read the IMDB since I'm here. Uh, a comedy panel game in which being quite interesting is more important than being right. Stephen Fry is joined each week by four comedians to share anecdotes and trivia, and maybe answer some questions as well. <laughs> well that's pretty gay. <laughs> Speaking of gay, <laughs> see, I segued. I segued like that on purpose, just so you know. Uh, Stephen Fry is a uh, gay man. I would recommend, and I'm pretty sure, uh, I know I've spoken of him very, very highly on this podcast before. Uh, I think it might have been on a book Bow Wednesday, or whenever he's come up in general. Uh, tremendous writer and super, super funny dude. Oh, you know what? Uh, I brought back another show of his where he traveled the U.S. I forget what that is called. Anything involving... Let's just boil it down to this. Anything involving Stephen Fry is going to be funny and intelligent. Uh, I think he sort of personifies those two things in one. Funny and intelligent. Uh, there are kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, basically two types of questions on this show. Uh, that will allow the contestants to be funny. There's uh, extremely obscure questions, questions that Stephen will ask, uh, and there's there's basically no way, unless you're a crazy person, you'll have any idea what the answer is. Or uh, the other, which got to be hard to come up with for the writers on the show, uh, questions where the answer is obvious but is also going to be wrong. Uh, so 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 questions that people will think they know the answer to. They'll think, uh, oh, everyone knows that, and then the answer to it will be wrong. So what I have done is, uh, I think I wrote down some examples here. Um, why are flamingos pink? Now, quite often, people will say, and I shouldn't say people will always say this, but quite often they'll say it's because they eat pink shrimp. No, that is a fallacy. Uh, what they're actually eating is blue-green algae, which I guess the chlorophyll in it. Uh, I don't know the actual explanation, but somehow they don't actually eat shrimp. It's this algae that turns them pink. Fascinating. Uh, what color is Mars? Mm, see, everyone? What would they say? I'll leave a space here for you to say it. No, it is not, in fact, red. Uh, there are occasional dust storms that will cause Mars to appear red from a great distance, uh, but it's actually just sort of a, a grayish-brown, boring color. Now, in this episode, Stephen Fry said something that shocked me, and if it's true, I'm kind of... I don't know if I'm upset, but I'm a little upset. Uh, he said that 
some of the photos from the Mars rover had been doctored by uh, NASA, I guess it would be, in order to appear red. Hmm, and that is not something that scientists should do. They should just show their their science for what it is and not change it so that it meets other people's expectations. That is not science. Ugh. Today's book banter sponsor is Elegant Esther, the Economical Esthetician. Thank you, Elegant Esther, the Economical Esthetician. If you have been following along, you will know that I am reading a short story that I have written over the last handful of uh, book banter segments. Hmm. Uh, Just... While we're on the book subject, I just started the second last book in the Wheel of Time series. I'm kind of saving these for myself and not bringing them back um, to talk about because they're sort of very personal to me. So, you know, that's something, I suppose. Okay, let's start off reading. (sighs) Jacob oozed out of his apartment, not even bothering to lock the door. In the vain hope that he would return to find the entire apartment gone. He shuffled down the steps, not either bo- not even bothering to hold the banister, or even pick up his feet, really. It was more of a barely controlled fall of each foot down each step. The sort of stairway descent had the potential for disaster. And then, disaster struck. Jacob was 12 steps from the first floor, the first floor that contained the aforementioned Chinese food restaurant. A typical Chinese food restaurant with a large assortment of razor-sharp knives and bubbling dishes perched precariously on superheated surfaces. You see where we are going with this? Jacob tripped and flew almost majestically through the air, and his existence up until this point caused him not to scream in terror but to sigh in resignation. Jacob landed safely amid a large pile of takeout food boxes without a scratch on him. Oh. Like the Eskimo people, like the Eskimo people having dozens of words for snow, Jacob had over the course of his life built up an incredible variety of various sighs. The sigh uttered at this point was weary with a tinge of relaxation. Jacob decided that this was his life now. He would live out his days among the pile of cardboard Chinese food takeout boxes. His blissful ignorance of the rest of the world would become a thing of legend that he would know nothing about. These thoughts were interrupted by a rumbling coming from somewhere inside the pile. The rumbling became a shaking and went back to a rumbling, but then... An exponentially faster, fluidic unfolding exploded in a whirlwind upwards. Jacob's mind was completely unaware of the interval between lying in the box pile and peering ponderously downward at the gaping hole in the roof of his newly leased apartment. At that moment, Jacob added a new sigh to his repertoire. He dubbed it the, My insurance is not going to cover this sigh. 
Dr. Tung, the origami robot from the future, who had shaped events so that Americanized Chinese food came into existence, had lain dormant since the year of your lord, 1400. The kinetic energy of Jacob's fall was enough to rouse him for one more triumphant display. This was his swan song, or rather his dragon song. He felt a weight on his back and craned his serpentine neck to get a better look at what was causing it. When the gaze of Jacob and Dr. Tung locked on one another, it was as if time froze. That is a sentence that may have been uttered before. However, in this case, it was much more intense. It was as if the two of them had reached such a profound state of observation of one another that the universe slowed down to absolute zero, and the very molecules that make up all matter stopped vibrating. Dr. Tung saw in Jacob's eyes the vast potential that exists in the human species. He realized that as long as the human race had the time to do so, eventually they would shape the very universe they live in. Pride swelled in his robotic breast that he and his robotic origami brethren will be a stepping stone in the human story that stretches back and forward through the ages. Jacob saw a goddamn dragon looking at him and peed a little. Part 4 next week. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is the Amulet of Jewelry. Plus one to your jewelry stat. Okay, so I'm uh, going to talk a little bit more about Dragon Age as I will be playing this game as it seems for a very long time so far. And all indications are pointing that it will be quite a while and I will still be playing it. Uh, they say somewhat easily... Uh, doing the main story and s let's say half of the side quests, you're going to be at a uh, hundred hours plus. And I'm just about doing every single side quest that is humanly, or in my case, dwarvenly possible. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we might have some uh, Dragon Age to talk about on these game Gabin segments for a little while now. Just FY or FYI, if you prefer. Uh, this weekend, I've written down a few little notes, what I did, uh, cleared out most of the Storm Coast. Something about fantasy, the world created by fantasy people, always seem to have a Storm Coast. Why is that? Does a, does a coast exist on this planet right now that people call the Storm Coast? I don't think there is, I've never heard of it, but in fantasy there always, always is. Hmm. Uh, here I found a Quinari, I believe it's pronounced Quinari, Quinari, yeah, uh, mercenary team. Uh, this guy's kind of cool. Uh, giant, which is always always good to have on your side. Uh, like probably one and a half average size humans tall. Huge, huge horns. Horns that uh, remind me of. If you've ever seen the movie Legend? I think it's Tom Cruise, one of his first movies. The uh, the the devil guy in that horns like that size which you gotta have a strong neck so another reason to have them on your side giant strong neck horn horn scary looking that's something uh i moved on then to the forbidden oasis mm, yeah you know what i walked right in there 
didn't even ask if I could go. Just bam, Forbidden Oasis. Take take me. That. Uh, this was interesting. Uh, an interesting area. They sort of played with two levels. So there'd be sort of sand desertist area. Uh, and then valleys. And interesting, but by the time I had finished my time in the Forbidden Oasis, it was a bit of a pain in the ass because trying to get from the, the low areas up to the high areas was not easy. And uh, quite often the easiest way just to do it was to fast travel to this one camp and then walk basically the entire length of the map up top to get to wherever you were going. So interesting haven't seen it before love people trying new things not that this has never happened before i'm just saying i haven't seen it before but not something that i would like to see all the time <laughs> uh moved on then to a grand ball <laughs> i'm gonna be honest my my note says grand ball of intriguiness mm, interesting uh a lot of times in games such as this fantasy role-playing games you'll find yourself being this character going around killing people st stabbing dragons in the face you know f throwing magic having magic thrown at you and then all of a sudden you'll have to go to a ball <laughs> i don't know why the the game makers feel a need to do this it really sort of throws things just way off and uh, I never really have that much fun doing it. Here, I will say this. In Dragon Age Inquisition, the part where you have to attend a ball is done better than, I think, uh, maybe any other time that I've been forced to attend a ball in a friggin' video game. Uh, political intrigue, if you're into that sort of thing, which uh, I know I've talked of this on Book Wednesdays and Book Banter segments, that... Uh, Whenever I read a fantasy book and it's all sort of politically minded, uh, I kind of lose interest because that doesn't interest me. Duh. So uh, when they throw it in a video game as well, meh. And unfortunately it's something that seems to quite often go hand in hand, fantasy and political intrigue being introduced to the mix. So uh, lastly, I went to the Western Approach. Uh, I am not 100% sure, but I think I might have encountered a glitch. I'm going to find out this coming weekend. Uh, it's basically, I'm trying to uh, get this dragon to show its ugly face so I could kill it. And it may or may not. Editing. 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 Alright, so uh, I screwed my timer up there, so you might have heard some editing going on there just fly again. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Ed Grimley Styling Gel. Ed Grimley styling gel. Uh, a couple things to talk about in this internet intercourse. If you listen to, I believe it was last internet intercourse episode, uh, spoke of Alison Rosen and her uh, leaving, being let go from the Adam Carolla podcast. 
Uh, what I didn't talk about then was Adam talking about this himself. The reason I didn't talk about that was because he kind of didn't really say anything at all. Uh, there was a bit, apparently, a bit of a backlash for just trying to, uh, I guess from his point of view, say what happened and then move on. Move on with your life. Uh, the internet did not like that fact. So he felt, and I gotta be honest... I felt as well, sort of like I wanted more. Uh, do I deserve more necessarily? Do we as a consumer of his podcast deserve to know what happened? No, I, I don't think necessarily we do. Uh, it's just, and, and he spoke of this, which really, really shows that he knows what's going on. Um, his audience, audience of podcasts, quite often feel like they are a part of things. Which I don't think you really get, definitely with movies, maybe you get it a little more in TV shows, but definitely in podcasts, while where, where the people listening to the podcast can feel like they're interacting more so than in other medias. Uh, Adam Carolla realized this fact, realized that people's anger at the way he treated the situation may not be justified, but he felt that he could get them over this hump by explaining his reasoning for uh, getting rid of Allison Rosen. Uh, I will say, and I would have said this before, but I, I think I could still believe it, uh, of people who I would consider fair, Adam Carolla always has struck me as an incredibly fair person. His reasons for getting rid of Allison Rosen, uh, letting her go her sort of own way, uh, they all sort of made sense. Um, yeah, I, I can't really... I'm not going to go into any detail. I, I do think that perhaps those two working together after hearing the podcast where he said why she's no longer on the podcast, they do make sense. There is logic behind his reasoning. It, it doesn't sound like it's a necessarily emotion getting into it. So, yeah. As sad as I am to see her go, I can understand his reasoning and... Bottom line is, it's his podcast. He can do whatever he wants on his podcast. There may be re repercussions, repercussions in the form of him uh, losing audience, which I'm sure, I'm 100% positive, the lack of Allison Rosen on that podcast will lose him uh, Will lose him listeners. There, there's no sort of denying it. He felt that uh, to have her not there was worth losing losing some of his listeners. Now, he may gain new listeners, listeners who didn't like her, although I find that hard to believe just because she was so likable. Um, but there you go. It's a whole interesting situation that uh, is sad in the end, but we'll get over it, eh? Life goes on. Life goes on to Nerdist Podcast episode with guest Martin Short. Highly, highly recommend the Nerdist Podcast in general, but uh, particularly when he, Chris Hardwick, uh, has someone on who is funny, someone who he clearly looks up to, someone in the sort of comedy world in particular, because then they could sort of, if you like to hear this sort of thing, talk about the craft of comedy. Uh, why people laugh at things, <laughs> why they might not laugh at things. 
something I like of his interviews of people, I don't want to say Martin Short is old, but, but people of a certain age, you get to hear some cool stories about how they got started in the biz. Uh, this episode sort of oozing with that. Uh, I liked a lot of Martin Short's talk of uh, Saturday Night Live versus SCTV. Uh, I was a huge SCTV fan. Saturday Night Live, uh, I know I've said this on the podcast, uh, funny show. My always recommendation for Saturday Night Live is not to watch it, but rather to uh, watch the best ofs because it's one of the most, at least I find, hit and miss shows that ever existed. <laughs> Uh, probably more misses than hits. When it does hit, it's good, but it doesn't always. Folks, I'm out of time, and I'm going to force myself to stop talking despite the fact that I still have more things to say. It is nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. (laughs) I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper